Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and welcome to yet another episode of the Agile Pubcast. I know, I know, I'm surprised too. They still haven't shut us down. Apparently, people can't get enough of our debates over drinks, so here's another one. Stay in touch by commenting on SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher or by tweeting us at the Agile Pubcast. We love to hear from our listeners. We're actually thinking about running a few live pubcasts in 2018, so if you have a group of people interested in watching us record one and possibly participating, then let us know. For now, though, enjoy this week's meandering discussion. Cheers. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. This is a well, nice, nicer weather than I planned for, to be honest. It's very um, fresh, green, fresh. Yeah, it's, it's good. Nice fresh all air. day. Yeah, so we're at, we're at the Dublin Scrum Gathering. Um, technically, it's Dublin, but I don't think we are in Dublin because <laughs> we're city, about city west. Of we're us. about half an hour away from Dublin, actually. Yeah. But uh, you know, we're in a sort of estate, golf course type place. Yep. And the weather is gorgeous. The fresh air is lovely. I packed one t-shirt and four jumpers. That was the ratio. That was the weather I was expecting. And I brought my big coat. Yeah. yeah I brought I brought a raincoat. But uh, it hasn't rained. I mean, it, it did spit a little last yeah. night. But it's a lovely, lovely day. Um, so it's, we're we're it's the middle of day two. Yes. And um, yeah, we are. We're not actually drinking any alcohol. We're rehydrating. Today. So we have a pint yes. of water. Yes. So cheers. Water's good for you. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there we are. Uh, so it's, it's, it's gone well, I think, this morning. There's <coughs> been a, I think one of the conversations that I've heard quite a lot, not just at this gathering, but it has continued here, is this idea of a it's a sort of code of conduct, a okay. code of ethics type thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of conferences have had some issues with that in the past. Well, it, came, it, it was it flamed up on Twitter, didn't it, in recent weeks? Um, I won't get into the, the, the history, but I know it's become more um, more talked about in the community lately. And mm. I was quite surprised, actually. So I, day one, going back to yesterday, I expected a, a bigger kind of position that the Scrum Lights would have taken on that to set the expectations mm. about but there wasn't that wasn't really part of the intro I expected to be at the introduction to the event yeah or um, at least some reference to it but I think they've missed it the trick. trick yeah it's um well it, it's like a, a meta level working agreement isn't it it's, it's a community agreement. what we yeah. agree the behaviors that we expect of one of each other and commit um, kind and of lot like we talk about at a team level, but a much wider, yeah, much I mean, wider audience. We sign as as trainers who are in in some ways representing the, the Scrum Alliance brand. Yeah, we have to sign a document to, yeah. to 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 confirm that we will adhere to a, a set a code of ethics. CSTs, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we won't. And CEC, we will treat any. people with respect. Some of it's quite, you know, just general human being niceness. I wonder. So, I know that's contractually part of our agreements because we, as as coaches, as certified coaches and certified trainers. Mm-hmm. But is there anything? I don't think there's been anything for CSM, for instance. No, or, yeah, there is. Oh, yeah. is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a code of ethics 
on the Scrum Alliance website which refers to members. So anyone who's the CSM, CSPO, anyone who has become part of the Scrum Alliance as a member mm-hmm. is is bound by that code of ethics. Uh, and that, in, that involves you know, non-discrimination, it involves uh, respectful conversations, Language yeah, no, no intimidation or anything like that, uh, but also n- not doing anything to bring the Scrum Alliance into disrepute, you know, not, no defamation or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think anybody uh, I don't think anybody would read it. It's a bit like the terms and conditions. You know, you have to tick the box to see to read the terms and conditions. Well, so nobody a, does. I didn't know it was there. So okay. I assume it's part of that agreement that you sign when yeah, you yeah, click yeah. the I, I, I accept, I decline button yeah. on your. Well, you, well, you, you and I would have had to actually we physically actually, sign. We have a contract. Yeah, but um, I think most people CSM it probably. Yeah, tick the box. Yeah. I, I can turn uh, T's yeah. and C's. Yeah, and people don't read it. Uh, yeah, and so given the given the amount of publicity there has been, not just in in agile world, agile conferences, but just in the the, the global, it's a big focal area with you know, things like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin mm. Spacey, and it's very much in the news, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah of actually doing right by people, yeah. behaving ethically, and one of the big parts of that for me is around that silence. So. I'm actually ashamed to say that on my trip over here, I, I was I was witness to some harassment on on the plane on the plane yeah. on the flight. Yeah, and I I didn't stop it. I just turned a blind eye to it, mm. and I can rationalise it as well. This person that was being harassed didn't seem bothered that, that bothered by it. Yeah. She, she could handle it. It looked like I could rationalise it and say, well, actually, the air stewardesses, that's their job. Oh, this wasn't a passenger then? This is. Or was so it a passenger? A, one passenger was, was harassing that's another it. passenger. Oh, I, I, I. Okay. Okay. I thought you meant it was one of the staff, one of the air stewardesses. Well, she, she, so she actually, actually turned out that she was an air stewardess, but she was off duty. Oh, oh I see. Right, okay. Yeah. But, um, so she said that yeah, she, she gets that a lot. Um, but that's no excuse. But yeah, my point there is that the fact that I didn't actually confront the person harassing, in a way, condones that behaviour. And of all the people on that plane, they probably all thought that's wrong, but no one did anything. However, I, w- I, I would put money on the fact that if anyone, if, if, I, if I had said something, if I had done something, then I would have got a lot of support from other members of the plane. Yeah. But that first person, no, it's kind of a British thing, isn't it? It's a, by, a bystander yeah. effect, isn't it, which we've mentioned before, but if, it's, if one person um, changes that socially acceptable behaviour, mm. then many other people will quite quickly follow, because mm. they find it the same reason, you know, um, I've made reference before to about the, the waitress that spills the tray of drinks in, in the pub, mm-hmm. or whatever, that kind of, if you sit there on silence, if you kind of embrace it, then it becomes a bit more acceptable. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Um, and many people probably would rally behind that kind of, if they, and that's exactly what happened with, with Weinstein and things like yeah. that, is that they've said, well, it's been going on for years. Everyone kind of, we all knew that it was happening. Yeah. And then all these people suddenly start coming forward, 
and it's it's the first person that's usually the bravest and the person who takes the smoking gun. Yes. So, but many other people will follow very quickly. The whistleblower. Is yeah. that right? No, it's not the smoking gun, is it? It's the whistleblower. Yeah. 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 So that's 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 not a particularly pleasant topic, but it's it's a very important one and something that you know, operates at many levels: families, teams, organisational culture gatherings, conferences. So I've had, I don't, this is, I, I feel safe enough to mention this now, this is an event I did ages ago. I did an improv event, a team building event for mm. a company that won't name, but um, a few years back. And um, something happened at that event, which you would class as a breach of code of mm-hmm. conduct, if you like. And what it was, we were doing an improv exercise, a role play exercise. And one of the attendees during that I'll say scene or mm-hmm. the, that role play physically struck one of the one of his colleagues okay. and he struck him very hard a slap to the face and there's an audible <gasps> kind of in, intake of breath this is this was in a circle of chairs probably 40 50 people witnessed it and you know if you couldn't unsee that it, it was yeah. clear that it happened um, and and as you can imagine there was a attention in the room and that person walked out and that the other person quickly followed and I had to just kind of break the session there and said we're going to take a quick break and, uh, and I got subsequently got involved in HR uh, issues and things like that and it all got a bit nasty and, and so it's but it's again it's that even at a company level whilst it might not you, you shouldn't have to rename these things every day no. I don't think every event there is a, a way that you are expected to behave as a corporate employee, whether you're on a team event, whether you're at a, a conference. Yeah. So there's your, your own values or your the values that you um, exhibit, um, even if you're not a member of that community, but you're an employee of that company or the name that you wear on your, the badge that you're wearing. People remember the name that, yeah. the name that they read on that, on that badge, don't they? So I think it does... Everyone is aware of them. They're always around us. Mm. So, do you think we need to be at these types of events? Do you think they need to be more explicit about reminding people of those? Well, given some of the behaviours that I've seen in, in the evening here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, obviously, my my shame was still fresh in my mind from my mm. plane journey and mm. not acting. Mm. Uh, so, I did act mm. when I saw something yesterday. Um, and I won't name names or anything, but that's that. I think it's important that that some of that behaviour has is, is, is been going on and just sort of tolerated. Oh, you know, that, we're calling Ian. Yeah. Oh, that's just Ian. You know, that's what that's he's what like. like. Yeah. Uh, we all know that. But that's 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 condoning that behaviour. It's, it's perpetuating that behaviour. The more silence that person hears, the more they t- interpret that as permission mm. um, and it's it's something that we, we I know that we've said for a long long time but I don't really think a lot of people have grasped it I don't think we actually really understood the the, the gravity of it 
when we say self-organizing team members need to be able to manage conflict, mm. they, they need to have a process for managing conflict amongst themselves rather than looking for a facilitator or a policeman or whatever. Mm. And that's a very hard skill because it requires a hell of a lot of courage mm. to, to actually, in your example, where someone's been physically assaulted, to actually step in. Yeah. One sort of process, if you like, for for, for going through that is, is the next exercise that we do is just looking at what your what your assumptions are and what you're actually afraid will happen. So, for example, I mean, they, they had you as a facilitator and you could call a break. That was great. But if they didn't, it's easier to avoid it. It's easier to just sort of say, well, that's for them to sort out. But what are you worried about by intervening? Mm. Yeah, so, let's use me as an example. What was I worried about happening? even at an unconscious level on the plane, if I intervened. Mm. And it could be that that person may then turn their attention to me. Yeah. And I may well then be in physical danger, yeah. potentially. It may well be that I imagine my support might not be wanted. That person may feel patronised by me coming to their aid. Yeah. It may be that my view of the situation is not shared by others. Um, it could be as simple as I don't want to have any kind of spotlight on me. I just want to stay out of things. But looking at well, what what am I worried about? What what am I assuming might happen? And then consciously assessing them might make it a little bit easier. Well, hold on a minute. Yeah. I don't think my 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 view of the situation can be anything other than normal. Mm. It it's just that's not right. I wonder. I'm trying to think of my the reasons if the examples that I've been, and it's probably more. Of, uh, happens more often, quite often actually, with my f with family. So, and I think my reaction is different with family members. The difference between the bystander effect, where I don't know that person, yeah, and the fact, for instance, when I hear bad language and, and my kids are around me, I would I wouldn't even think twice mm. about saying, "Excuse me, can you stop using that kind of language?" Because yeah. my young, well, I've got two young children. So, I think our relationship with those people does change that mm. sometimes people do they might be protecting someone when they when they probably should be giving them the truth or, you know, or, or, or be trying to give them an opportunity to change that behavior yeah rather than just accepting it but I certainly yeah I, I find it quite socially awkward sometimes to when I don't know that person yeah. is to should I jump in my wife's very good at it is she very good at it, yeah. She will with total strangers. Yeah, yeah. But not even when our kids are even when our kids aren't around. If yeah. she sees something going on that's wrong, rude, illegal, yeah, uh, she, she will call them out. out. Yeah, yeah. Not. Do you want? Yeah. Would she do it in a public fashion? Yeah. Would she go straight up to talk to them quietly, or would no. she? No, would she, she would make sure that everyone else can hear as well. Would she? Yeah. And that, perhaps that's why—that's one of the reasons why I'm so passive because I know my wife will, will handle that. <laughs> but she wasn't on this flight this no, week. She wasn't no, on this so flight. You have, so you have to deal with it yourself. Yes. Uh, yeah. But um, I wonder. It's a touchy subject, isn't it? It is. It is delicate. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there are some cultural differences. I'm pretty sure that certain cultures would feel because so I yeah talking about the British culture again so there's the concept of snitching yeah or I can't think of the other word but yeah grass oh come on come on you're not 
you're not joining in with the banter. It's just banter. Come yeah. on, that that kind of culture is. I've grown up with. I know that. Yeah, you should grasp people up. No, that's yeah. a, like a bad insult. Yeah, um, and that's that's something created by bullies yeah. to maintain their position. Yeah, um, but it's. I think it's deep within the psyche of a lot of people mm. that really can I grasp can I snitch mm. um, and that idea of confrontation as well so either do I directly confront do I go and you know passively aggressively if you like tell somebody else mm. go and tell teacher mm. well I think that word like you said the word banter I think that has I think that is a there is a difference a massive difference in what even between me and you in terms of what I would class as banter, you would class as banter, mm. as to what my wife would class as banter. Yeah. So it's it's massively different in everyone. Um, I think I do see it in, in, so I play in, where I've got closer relationships in sports teams or in family situations that, and uh, I'm at here, here with a, with a conference with a guy that I've known since, well, since I was at school. Yep. So, um, and there's a level of, banter, whatever you want to call it, that I know there's a there's a common a, there's bound well, is there boundaries? I don't think there are boundaries, but there's 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 commonality in, in the language that we use and, and the, the stories that we tell, the narratives the the common threads mm. that we we the, the history that we have together. Yeah. I think the danger with these, some of these events is that some of the attendees have longer histories with others, yep. so I think there is a uh, with the um, particularly with the Scrum Alliance, and I'm, you know, I put myself in this kind of category. I'm coming back here to reconnect with people that I haven't seen for probably at least six months, mm -hmm. maybe some people even longer. I bumped into uh, Lowell Lindstrom, in, right. who I didn't know he was here. I haven't seen him since Washington, so I think two years ago. So uh, Roman's here. I haven't seen Roman probably in about the same time, mm -hmm. one to two years. Um, so yeah, you are reconnecting with people, and there's there is a level of um, common language understanding. Yeah. So we, what you're saying is, you built up an understanding of what banter means to you guys. But that, what, there's a danger that you apply that too too broadly. You assume plane going past two helicopters. <laughs> oh, is it? You assume that the same level of yeah behavior, that behavioural is expectation is is accepted by everyone, right. which is not. It's not, and the. I can't think of a better phrase than the lowest common denominator, which is wrong yeah. on many levels. But the analogy I use is, is you came up with a great exercise about team safety with swearing. Yeah. And you know, what, because <laughs> we all know swear words have different levels of intensity and different levels of uh, uh, insult. So finding what that line, acceptable line is for everyone in the team, and you go with the least offensive term Correct, yeah. that everybody is okay with mm. and then we can agree on language so the, and, and that needs to be re, revisited when you get new members of the team these agreements and this gathering is, is not a team but there are people here who've never been to a gathering before yeah. so they're not aware of what's expected they're not aware of what's gone before inside jokes don't work yeah. um, they, that's exclusive right um, so I think should they have done that I think it should be I just think it should be spelt out every time. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. every time. I agree. I agree. It doesn't have to be a lecture. No. Of thou shalt not do this. Mm. But 
quick five minutes of. You know, I think it needs to be have an explicit place in the agenda. Yeah. I, yeah. I absolutely do agree with that because it's not like you say. People will might have literally been in the Scrum Alliance for two two weeks. They might you know they might have got mm-hmm. very recent additions to the community and they don't know what these gatherings are all about. Yeah. There is a lot of sort of unspoken tacit understanding. Yeah. And it's it's isolating. I think. But I think the Scrum Alliance because of the, the growth of the Scrum Alliance, the, the the feeling and we've been to gatherings since well, a year, a long time ago. Two thousand and four. Yeah. So we and we've seen how these gatherings have morphed. Mm-hmm. They used to be much much smaller. Mm-hmm. The relationships were much closer. Was that fair? Yeah. Less people. Mm-hmm. It's easier. You could. I mean, first gatherings. You would, you would expect to see people's faces very frequently. Smaller events. They probably weren't three days, were they? How long was the first gathering you went to? A night. It was two days. Yeah. So it's probably a smaller event in time. Closer relationships with the attendees. You do form different, stronger relationships much quicker. Here, there's people here that will overhear things, mm-hmm. walk through a corridor, hear something that offends them. Mm-hmm. And that's that will happen. Yeah. And you ha- in that case, as the Scrum Alliance has grown, they need to be very, very mindful of how um, people's behaviours need to grow with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According, mm. but it's, it is it's, um, it's it's interesting. So what what would we expect members of a team to do? if a teammate broke their code of ethics, their working agreement? Well, I think, firstly, I'd hope that person feels able to air it, whether it's, and maybe it's not air that, that concern with that person directly. I think that's, in a more mature team, that would happen. Um, in some teams I've seen that I know, the 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 offence not the offence that sounds awful doesn't it but the behaviour has been noticed by another member of the team who's pointed it out to that member and said I think you've offended mm-hmm. because I know how that person feels about that subject you need to yeah you need, that that wasn't right so that's interesting where people feel able to speak on you know um, not on their behalf but to reflect that back and it wasn't a scrum master in that case mm-hmm. it was someone who had a fairly close relationship I think that wasn't the right thing to say mm-hmm. that wasn't the best best way to deal with it. But certainly, you'd hope that that person can air that concern with someone, hopefully within the team. Maybe not with the person directly, but we'll set it with a scrum master within the team. So look, I find this, I'm finding this quite uncomfortable. Um, but um, I think yeah, that's the first thing: is surely to, is to call call it out, feel able to. That's it's just going to eat away at you, isn't it? It might get, get worse. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to facilitate. The team to come up with a process, yeah, to deal with for them. doing that, and even before it's happened. Exactly, but yeah, definitely before it's happened, and get some practice at doing it on something inconsequential. So, pr- describe, just create almost a template or a framework for how to get that across, so that it's easy and not personal. Yeah, um, in words that are objective, based you know, on fact, yeah. and then own. The feelings that that's called, that's created you, and then have a go at practicing that in a team on something inconsequential. So you know, I see you didn't clean your shoes this morning. I, I, I like clean shoes, uh, and I think that's a sign of 
um, sign of slackness, which yeah. And also, but also how it made you feel. Right? Yeah, and I, I feel if you're taking a slack approach to your shoes, you might take a slack, slack approach to your team, your, yeah. your work. Yeah. Um, and it's just a practice, it's just a joke, and that person can then get also practice receiving that feedback yeah. from the teammate. We now know we, we've started, we've created a neural pathway there that we can then follow. It's going back to something I mentioned earlier, that, and I think maybe I suffered a little bit with this when I mentioned about. I tend to think that my corporate background has a bearing on how I deal with these things mm-hmm. and how I, how things have also, you know, the situations have arisen in later life. But when I mention the fact that that's an H, a HR issue, mm. we always, certainly in my kind of BT days and, and Nokia days, that we would feel that anything that like that, personal stuff and emotionally behavioural stuff, an HR thing. Yeah. And we feel like there's, if there is that kind of HR element to, a, to an organisation, not all, not all organisations have them, no. but human relations, that, that department. Uh, hum, no, it's not human relations, it's human, re- is it human resources, yeah. uh, officially called. Um, but we feel that that's delegated power. So it's, it's like, I don't have to deal with conflict because there's a t- department that deals with that. I do, but that's for me that we haven't caught it early enough. To me, when something gets to HR, that's mediation. No, but by the fact that HR exists. Yeah, no, I get that, I get that. Um, But the HR existing can be a powerful thing. So I'm thinking of another organisation where I, I invited someone from HR to the training course with the team. So look, these are some of the challenges that they're, they're going to have. How can you, as an expert in HR, give them the tools and the support to be able to do this so that it doesn't get to the point where HR needs to step in? Mm. Um, and that's, that's something that, historically, teams, be they developers mm. or whatever, they, that's something they don't get trained in because no. that's a manager's job. Mm. But if we're looking for self-management, they need those skills and same with contracts I'm not an expert in contracts I can't go and give them an agile contract but I can get someone who knows how to write contracts and they can understand the principles and what the the aims of the team are and together they can can do that so I think that's if we have got HR then it's kind of seen as a last resort is that what you mean as as a threat well, it's well, if it, if we need to get formal, so let's say it's you know, we've we've not just stepped over a line, but we've got to a point where this relationship is beyond repair, then we probably need some formal legal. So, in that situation I talked about, was physical assault has occurred? Yeah. Would you suggest that that if that happened, and this didn't happen within a scrum team, so this mm-hmm. was within a, in, in an event. If that did happen in a scrum team, do you think that could be resolved? without the need to make something HR-focused? Um, when physical assault... So you said, you said could it? I think it could. But I think part of it... If, so if we have got HR somewhere, then part of that conversation is saying to the teams, look, legally, within this country that we operate in, this is not acceptable. You can't call this banter and get away with it. No. All right? And within this organisation, if this happens, then this procedure must be followed. Mm. Okay, so setting out almost like the constraints of the definition of you know, done or whatever, yeah. um, and that might be one of them. You know, if there is physical assault, mm. 
then you know, this process has to be followed. Okay. It has to be reported mm. because even if somebody says, "Oh no, it's fine," mm. that could be that could just they're scared. They don't want to yeah. make it worse, for example. So I think it could because I can I can think of um, many teams, mostly sports teams. Yeah where they, they will have physical fights yeah. and actually sometimes end up a stronger team as a result. Mm. So it could happen, but I think knowing, knowing where the lines are and what is acceptable is important. Mm. Again, I don't, the only reason I could, the only way that I could really see that working in a, in a scrum team is if they've gone down almost like that, that, that levels of swearing if they've come down to the levels of physical contact and everyone has said yes I'm okay with everyone slapping each other around the face mm. then maybe uh, yeah, possibly yeah. I can't see that happening though. but also there's a, there's a there's an effect that that has on this, you know this assuming that organisation is bigger than that team yeah. that has a, a social impact on the people around them yeah, right? yeah. that yeah. people see these, these these people behaving in that way if they don't think that accept- is acceptable yeah. to, as a corporate behaviour, mm-hmm. do you think a team should be able to report a team? Yeah. Or that they're, they're not, um, you know, it's not just one individual, it's the, the way they behave, yeah. the language that they use is offensive to us. Yeah. So, all right, I'll, I'll go back to my, my shameful example. And by not acting, not only was I letting down the person who was being harassed, but I was letting down everybody else on that plane because they could have been next, but they were also sitting in, an, in a horrendous environment, which would made, made everyone's plane journey significantly worse. And so could somebody complain about my lack of action? Yeah, I think they had the right to say, you were, you were closer to this yeah, than me, you could, you could have done something, and I'm disappointed in you in that. I think that would have been fair for somebody to say that to me, mm. even though I don't know them. Mm. Yeah. I wonder, it makes me think as well, a slight tangent, to, to rein you back in if I'm on a tangent here. It makes me think about those days in Nokia when I wanted to leave the office early, mm-hmm. and it gets that kind of social acceptance. Yeah. That it's not behaviour, but this is more. You know, when I, I, I probably did sort of sign up to in my contracts hours of work. There must have been, I can't. It probably didn't. Well, the number of hours a week, obviously, people generally have mm-hmm. contracts around hours a week. Maybe more flexible timings. Yeah, you know, core hours. Yeah, probably did. Like, like I say, I should remember, but I can't. Long time ago. But should I feel bad? Should I be able? Should, should I feel bad about leaving the office? when I need to leave the office. Mm-hmm. As, and I walked my team out of the Nokia office at five o'clock on a Friday and heads turned and you know, there were complaints made that I wasn't, Paul's team aren't, you know, aren't pulling the same weight that everyone else is because they're not doing as much as many hours. Is that bullying? Is that, is that should we feel, if we're doing our work and we get it complete, should we, we should be able to dictate our own timelines? Mm-hmm. But it might not be acceptable to everyone else. Yeah. What's interesting there is that you've got something that you've contractually agreed, yet don't feel entitled to. Yes. Um, so is that bullying? It's. I had, I had a, a. I had another phrase in my mind there, but it's gone. But it, yeah, it's. It's certainly cultural intimidation. Yes. If not bullying. Yeah. yeah. And I, I. I see that probably more often than you see 
individual conflict. You, yeah. see, you see and accept, well, we've got to do it. Yeah. Got to knuckle down, guys. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's one of the reasons why the Scrum Master role is there, yeah. right? to change the way things are done around here, to yeah. challenge the, the norms, the accepted. So a Scrum Master really does have to fight that bystander. Yeah, and lead that behaviour, yeah. lead, model the change, yeah. if you like, and you know, stick their neck up. And, and say, hold on, no, that's not right. And say, yeah, what you did there was was brave and courageous. And by seeing that fact that nothing bad happened to you and your team allowed, gave others the, the, the space and permission mm. to, to do that themselves. Good. Ah, good. So you, something else um, we probably ought to mention this on a previous podcast last um, last night, maybe, but. So Lisa Atkins did this, and she kind of called out. Yeah. You know, she she did something that was, you know, um, created a bit of tension in the room, mm-hmm. and the fact that let's not just move move over this and gloss yeah. over it. It's that we to say no, no, actually, no. I think we should actually take this a bit further. Mm. And it's that kind of courage to say, no, we're not we're not ready yet. Yeah. Uh, because we feel it's just it does feel awkward, and it feels like socially. I keep saying the word socially, but. Oh, I don't want to be out on my own here. Mm. It's that feeling of uncomfortableness. But we do catastrophize about uh, the, the potential consequences, yeah. even unconsciously. Uh, but if we take a, a, an objective look at what we are worried about happening, then it might make it easier to, to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Well, here we go. That's a nice one. Yeah. Delicate, but nice. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers everybody.